again and welcome to Theft of Moon number 7. What follows is a few remarks on my experience with people of the green anarchist or insurrectionist mindset. Anarchists often draw connections between the effort to build better artificially intelligent machines, predictive policing, and ecological devastation. These criticisms are accurate, but lack a clear path to resolution. I would like to make the case that it is not the end of the world, the future is not a boot stamping on a human face forever, and there is no clear resolution to these problems precisely because there are so many potential solutions that we simply have been unable to pick one out of the crowd. I also suggest that a way to prevent this sort of analytical paralysis going forward is to orient around a value system which applies on a cosmic scale, producing a common starting point for cooperation. The attitude of insurrectionist anarchists have, in my experience, been opposed to the future. A focus on the present moment is thought to produce freedom immediately. In some ways, this makes sense. Putting off the satisfaction of urgent desires for some imaginary later time is a little bit like being a zombie, a channel for forces that are beyond your control that don't really exist. Our physical, biological existence is in conflict with the abstract order we seek to impose on it. This is a microcosm of the larger situation of the individual being in, inside, trapped inside an industrialized state. The state-imposed order is arbitrary, often nonsensical, and hostile to life in the present moment. We're herded like cattle through an industrialized farm that tries to optimize things that we're supposed to care about, but often really have no affinity with, uh, you know... Uh, for example, I feel a need to be held by someone I love when I'm anxious. It's a need that exists in my body, it's a physically real thing, but for all the anxiety it causes, the economy can't love me, nor can it hold me in any sort of embrace. Being held by an economy is, you know, the closest thing it can come is being forced into a role by necessity and anxiety, the opposite of a need. It is a system of anxieties producing actions. That's not a relationship on a human level. That's why it's easy to. That's why it's easy and reasonable to hate the economy. Uh, no abstract and rational argument could change my heart from its hatred of forced labor and artificial scarcity. You'd have to physically change me or change the world. You'd have to prove that these imposed abstractions are leading to something worth my time, or completely break me in and create a zombie where I was. States attempt to do both. The former generally doesn't function as anything but a smokescreen for the latter. This is why we hate the state, and this is why we hate the future. I am going to make an argument for the future. We live in a time of endless crisis, where every news cycle cuts off another realm of experience and further isolates each individual from each other. At the same time, we are beset by increasingly effective technologies of influence, which demand our attention at all times. It's an evil salesman's model of a society. Once our attention is captured, we are directed on a route which only benefits us as far as our needs overlap with those of the salesman. Not far. Most people are getting poorer, having less free time and happiness. A few people are gathering a disgusting amount of social power and using it to further feed upon the earth and its people. Soon, we will have developed thinking machines for these salesmen, and these machines will outmatch our ability to resist the sales pitch. Then the game is up, supposedly. Any agency we once had will be subsumed into the larger body of corporate life. This is the sort of apocalyptic anxiety that has driven anarchists to denounce technology, organization, planning, and language. It's my position that this anxiety is perfectly valid 
and these criticisms of abstract thinking in general have been healthy and good at processing the anxiety which produces them. However, all of this deals with the symptoms of techno-capitalist industrialization and only vaguely gestures at the cause of techno-capitalist industrialization. What it doesn't do is give us a cure for techno-capitalist industrialization or any of its symptoms. Anarchists use money all the time, but this does not seem to preclude them from calling themselves anarchists. We use techno-capital. Let's do a speed run through definition of money before we continue. Money is dead time. It's a unit which represents time spent as a zombie under the control of petty tyrants and economic forces. By commodifying this time, we are able to trade one hour for another as if they were similar, somehow exchangeable, as if they were the same hour, which clearly they're not. My hour is not your hour. Even if we spent the same time doing the same task, we have completely different experiences of that task. There might be similarities, but not, not communicable really. This is clearly all make-believe and cannot hurt anyone. It's not the dehumanization of time which is upsetting, it's the cascading social effects it makes possible. These things are linked, but they are not the same. To make an abstract sign, to view time in general, these things are not the same as building a techno-feudalist hell world. Abstraction is the tool we have to imagine the future. Without these generalizations, there is no future. Generalizations allow commodification, allow evil imperial systems to thrive. Perhaps, then, there should be no future. This is where many criticisms stop. I would like to go further, however. If the future was imaginary, and memory couldn't be trusted, and all we had was the present moment, then we should still dream of a better world, and imagine the times and systems of interaction that would only be real if only that world was now. We will soon live in a world where the future is trademarked and all memory of the past is produced by corporate PR departments. Or rather, we live in a world which resembles that closely now. People do not exist except in the most general terms. Society seeks its lowest common denominator, the bare minimum citizen with no personal attachments to hinder the flow of capital through their lives. This faceless citizen slash worker slash consumer, this hungry zombie, is a north star around which decisions are made in boardrooms, city halls, legislative sessions. This is the citizen, this is the person they're thinking about when they think about people. Anarchists, communists, fascists with their father issues, and all sorts of normal people also, all live in fear of slowly turning into this zombie, of being reduced to the common denominator. Fear, however, is not gay enough for me. I live in a nightmare. Who cares if I'm eaten? In such a world, dreams do not come true, so there is no reason to be afraid of a nightmare. Because it's a dream. It's just a dream. So let's get closer and look at the zombie. The zombie is neither male nor female, but a secret quantum gender, which changes depending on which underwear is on sale. The inner life is not absent, but simple. Our zombie follows the gradients of supply and demand, doing anything necessary, no matter how reprehensible or taboo, in order to pass capital through its person. The zombie acts this way because it identifies itself as an organ of capital. It is not an Italian-American, or a black man, or a member of the Elks Lodge, or the Fraternal Order of Moose. It has no relatives, only a legal distinction regarding its inheritance. 
What an ugly creature it is. It doesn't exist, but it lives within all of us. Like the parents who ate their children in a famine or something. It's there. The possibility of it is always there. So this is the lowest common denominator. We need things. We have to eat. We don't want to die or get hurt. So we're willing to grovel. It's only our attachments to other people and sacred things that propel us to sacrifice. It has always been easier to remove those barriers to capital rather than satisfy them. So what then? So what then is the highest common denominator? Mathematically, there is no limit. Each individual may potentially identify themselves as a cosmic being of the highest order whose merest thoughts contain infinite universes of meaning and black depths of passion and power contained only by their ability to cognitively navigate the world. We can multiply the banalities upon themselves endlessly, caring deeply about our bipedal community, our extended mammalian family, the global Catholic social scene, whatever. This is where the anarchists get caught up. Freedom is in the act, not the identification. It is a description of a lived behavior. The moment we identify with our freedom, rather than our experience of a specific existence, we are reduced in our specifics and become a little bit more like the zombie. Ultimate freedom, then, is the optimization of extravagant expression to the point of immediate annihilation. Act for freedom now. That is the cosmic orientation of the insurrectionists. Time is an arbitrary limit. We must speak a single word that defines ourselves utterly and immediately exit this claustrophobic universe. But what if we are in love? What if the most extravagant expression of sacrifice and power I can wield is to maintain a world where life is still possible after I die? What if we held hands and did not die? What if, we, you know, we could chalk it up to stubbornness and scorn for the evil forces, a rebel's refusal to die despite everything being lost. But years after the partisans all got blown up, picked off, lined up, and shot, the flowers on their graves are what's left of them. And I love flowers. I think I would live forever if it meant tending flowers. I think I would accept such a future. Irrational as it may seem, I would kill and die for my flowers. They are all I'll have left of my truest friends. Our greatest denominators stretch beyond the petty struggles of the day, beyond the limits of our own power to satisfy a need. They exist in a world which only exists in our hearts, and they call to us from a future which we owe ourselves to build. <laughs>